I'm Jill Shaw here with Ross Wilson to bring you the first episode of Last Night at School Committee. For three years, on the day after each school committee meeting, our office is abuzz with discussion and debate about the presentations and comments made at the meeting. We have created this podcast as an easy way for any parent, citizen, or interested party to get the highlights and our take on what happened last night at school committee. School committee meetings are long and dense, and the crowd in the room tends to thin as the hours inch towards 11 p.m. And yet, extremely important things happen at all hours of school committee meetings. This is where decisions are made, policy is shaped, and operational plans are approved, all of which result in the quality and efficacy of our schools. Ross, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here's the first one. So last night at school committee, I think maybe we should go back one meeting um, and just talk a little bit about the data that was presented there by Corey Harris, who's the chief accountability officer for the school system. Um, so you want to, should we, can we do that first really quickly? Because I think it sets the stage for the update that the superintendent presented last night. Yeah, of course. Um, on December 11th at the school committee meeting, um, and if listeners haven't checked out the, the, um, the data or that meeting, they should really take a look at it. Um, the superintendent and her team uh, presented essentially an update on school performance data for, mm-hmm. for the school system. Um, and in that data presentation, um, they highlighted a, a, a few things that I think are important for people to know. Uh, first and foremost, that um, achievement gaps are continuing to exist and, and expanding in the Boston Public Schools, um, both for students um, of color and for students uh, of lower socioeconomic status. Um, I mean, th- and when you, when you say gaps widen, because it sounds like such a, that just sounds like such a pristine thing. But what it means is that whites and Asians are outperforming blacks and Latinos by significant numbers. Yes, and and, and it's it's growing and it's very concerning. Right, um, and it should be a trend that we um, we focus on every day and every minute because um, this should not be happening. Right. Um, it, it related to this, we we have um, about a third of our students are meeting. Expectations. Right. These so, are the state standards. So, so that, if you flip that, seventy percent are not. Right. Right. Um, we have forty-three percent, almost half of our schools are requiring assistance and intervention as defined by the state. Okay. And, and in fact, thirty-eight of our schools in Boston are in the bottom ten percent of the state. Um, we also we have seen uh, chronic absenteeism going up, and, and we also this is this is incredibly concerning. Our dropout rate has actually gone up, and this is um, this is very concerning. This has been a really concerted effort for the Boston Public Schools over the last decade, um, and we've seen that rate go down and down and down. Right. But over the last couple of years, we've seen this rate creep up, and and last year um, we saw a, a very concerning um, data that showed that that rate was going up um, by over one percent. And, and one of the reasons it's concerning is because kids who drop out of school are much more likely to end up in prison. That's correct. That's correct. Now, now I, I think it's important for, for listeners to, to look at the school committee meeting because um, there, there, there were explanations around the dropout rate. Um, and, and this is related to both a, an individual school as well as um, they noted that the data is lagging by a year. Right. Um, but this will be important to keep our eye on. Um, I also think it's really important um, to check out the deck that essentially the BPS um, Right, which is linked to in our blog. So you can pull down all of this data, which is much more comprehensive. And on the last page, uh, the superintendent's team did a great job of sort of saying, here, we're we're very concerned about this. I I commend the superintendent's team, number one, for for talking about this data. Yeah. Um, They basically are owning it. They're saying we're concerned about it. 
Um, Corey Harris did a great job of synthesizing it mm -hmm. and then saying, we should all be concerned about it and we need to do something about this. Right. Um, and he laid out a plan for really focusing on um, the number of schools that we have in the bottom 10% and saying we need to intervene in these schools and, and make them much stronger and better. So then if we, if we turn to last night, where, so this was an update, um, and Charles Granson kind of presented it with the superintendent weighing in. So let's just talk a little bit about, you've been in schools for a long time. What, what is a strategic plan? Uh, typically, a strategic plan in a school district is, is one that sets, sets forth a, uh, a goals and says, here's what we're going to do as a school committee. So typically, a school committee is the um, is the entity which creates a strategic plan for the district. Okay. Um, then they they ha they have a superintendent who essentially her his or her uh, job is to implement that strategic plan. Okay. Um, so the superintendent often comes and says, uh, "Here's a theory of action. Okay. Like here's how we will go about. If we do these things, this is how we're going to achieve the the uh, strategic goals." So the theory of action speaks about how does how does um the central office engage? How would each school engage? Is that what you mean by theory of action? What, how everyone is going to kind of exactly. move and it's, interact it with It sets another. forth a theory of action about how change will occur and how okay. we'll achieve the goals on the strategic plan. Okay. Um, the, the superintendent also uh, is in charge of thinking about strategy, thinking mm -hmm. about, um, again, that, uh, that goal setting, and then really along the way, thinking about all the action steps and benchmarks that should be taking place um, and reporting on at the school committee meetings to achieve the goals in the strategic plan. Right. So we, so you and I have talked about this a little offline and um, what struck us is that each one of these, so there's about 28 bullet points right now in the summary document, which is also posted on our blog. Um, and these 28 bullet points actually have a lot in them. And so that it, it feels like there's a very heavy lift. Now we're not performing well as a district in the eyes of the state. And so maybe it is this many things that have to get done, but how does one synthesize every, she's about, been out to all 125 schools in a very short amount of time. She's listening to everyone. She's trying to put all of the important goals and objectives into one strategy document. How, what is school committee's role in helping her to really kind of synthesize everything that she's hearing and, and, and make bets or take, you know, set priorities for the school system? Well, first and foremost, the superintendent has done a tremendous job. Um, she has gone out to, to every school across the district and met with so many people across our city. Yeah. Um, she has taken in, in a very short period of time, a tremendous amount of information. Um, and, and I think this document that was presented last night, which is, again, the update on the strategic plan, um, synthesizes... Uh, and reports back on, on what she's heard and what she's seen in our schools. Yep. And so I think this document, you know, it, um, it, it outlines the commitments, it outlines priorities under those commitments. Um, there, there's certainly many, many, many important points in these, in these doc, in this document. Um, and there's beginning of, uh, you know, sort of recommended measures of what we could do to measure if we've been successful or not on these priorities as it relates to commitments. Right. So it's, it's quite a, it's quite a document. But so, but let's dig into it because so, so just one bullet point talks about mass core, and so can you just kind of break down for me what like what goes into actually implementing mass core across 125 schools in in the city of Boston? Sure. So so um, as we've discussed this before, the the mass core is essentially a state um, so state standards saying here's what here's what you need to 
graduate from a high school. Right. Um, and so it's a series of courses. Uh, it's also a series of, uh, there's languages and then there's um, extra uh, curricula uh, activities. Like what? So there's a series of courses. Yeah. Um, there's uh, also a language requirement and there's also a requirement on physical fitness um, that needs to be uh, abided by for, okay. from every high school. Um, and, and Boston um, has, uh, we're, 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 we have many schools who are not um, mass core aligned. Okay. And uh, so what we have to do, and, and and there was a great working group um, that was working on this last year right. that came up with, uh, a, I think, a pretty good plan about, hey, let's let's all work together as high schools uh, to move towards mass core. Right. Um, now, this takes some scheduling uh, changes. It mm -hmm. takes... Uh, in order to you know make sure you have the right course uh, series mm -hmm. in, in every school, um, it may take some staffing changes mm -hmm. uh, to ensure that you have the right teachers to teach those courses. Does it mean um, also adding teachers? In it, some cases? it may. It may yeah. mean adding teachers. It also may mean replacing you know this subject for that subject. Yeah. It may you know a number of schools are not meeting the physical education requirement. It means maybe mean add adding. Uh, physical education. So okay. it requires scheduling changes okay. as well. Yep. Um, so whenever you're thinking about this and you're thinking about sort of building your schedule and, and high school headmasters and, and their teams are uh, are great at this. They, mm -hmm. they, they build really comprehensive and, and intricate schedules. Mm -hmm. um, that that requires a lot of work to do so and, um, and also may require a budget um, uh, change. So mm -hmm. it, 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 it may require that a school receive more funding for certain positions. Um, so those things are these these are all important things, and, and to get a whole system aligned yeah. to MassCore um, is is a lot of work, it's a big uh, but task. absolutely could be done. Um, and then I think I think after we adopt MassCore, uh, it's not over yet okay. because uh, if we see students not uh, being successful with mm -hmm. the new requirements, we have to figure out what are the safety nets, what are the scaffolding, what's the supports needed for students to achieve those standards. Um, so we have to be really thoughtful. Um, that whenever we change a, a standard and say all all schools are going to have this standard now, mm -hmm. um, we have to think about how we support our students in reaching that standard. Because what you're saying is that we've got to make sure that the pathway that the student's following all the way through to high school is building the competencies that they need in order to be successful at attaining all of these metrics that are involved in Mass Corps. That's right? right. Okay. That's right. So it really affects every school in the city, this move to adherence of mass core standards. And so just to go back to, your, you know, talking about how does the school system implement strategy? If, if one of the core pillars of the strategic plan from s school committee is that we will move the entire system to support adherence of mass core standards, then that has budget implications, that has operating implications, that requires a theory of change, just that. It does, and and, um, and it's incredibly important that we do so. Yeah. Okay, D let's just dig into another bullet here. Um, and, and many, several committee members also commented on this, and this, the need for uh, to hire and retain a workforce that reflects diversity, ethnic, racial, and linguistically of families attending BPS. You ran human capital at one point for BPS. So how, how hard or easy is this sort of goal to achieve? First and foremost, it's, a, it's an incredibly important goal. Yeah. You know, our, our, our workforce should represent the, the cultural, racial, and linguistic diversity of the students that are served in the Boston public schools. Um, we have many schools who do, who do a really good job of this, mm -hmm. and we have other schools who struggle with this. Mm -hmm. um, this is, this is um, it's an, important, it's an important issue in hiring. It's an important issue in, in supporting teachers. Um, it's an important issue to make sure that we're 
uh, creating school cultures yeah. that uh, every adult can thrive in as well as every student can thrive in. Um, and then you have to back this up to thinking about preparation programs um, across our state around teacher preparation. Um, many teacher preparation programs are uh, lack diversity, uh, racial, cultural, linguistic diversity in those schools. So is it hard um, to find enough candidates? I mean, this is a big school system. It, you know, there's some universities that do a better job than others, but okay. you have to be really intentional yeah. about this. Yeah. Um, and so- Meaning uh, it, the district needs to really partner with these programs to produce the, the quantity of capable- Sure, sure, sure. There, there. So, and we have to encourage. Um, you know, we have to make the teaching profession one in which everybody wants to enter. Yeah. Um, so, right. so, um, you know, in BPS, they've done a great job of thinking back to this, and they they said, okay, let's start a teacher, a high school student to teacher pipeline. Let's mm. let's think That's about a paraprofessional uh, to teacher pipeline. Let's think about you know all the ways in which we can begin to cultivate and uh, talent that can eventually be teaching in the Boston Public Schools. Right. Um, but you know this this goal incredibly important incredibly it's really important that the district reports on this um, on it ever at every school committee meeting okay. you know it says okay how many how many job postings do we have how many hires do we have and pays very close attention to it right because uh, too often we don't pay attention to this until after the hiring season is over and we report back and we say oops we didn't meet the goal right right, um, right. well that's not enough you know right. we need to be really paying close attention. Um, to this and, and, and the whole system has to work together to say, how are we, Boston Public Schools, creating a culture where everybody wants to work and grow in this organization? Right, and that as you go through the hiring process, it's really an expedited process. Or not expedited, but that it's a smooth process without holdups that aren't unnecessary. Right, we should be responding to every candidate. We yeah. should be, we should be uh, keeping them warm, if you will, in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, and then, um, one other one that was talked about uh, quite a bit was um, the fully implementing pre-kindergarten. And so I know this is the goal of the mayors also. How how fully have we implemented pre-kindergarten to date and, and how much more do we need to do so that any child who qualifies has a pre-kindergarten seat? Sure. We, so this is the K-1 seat. Sorry. So every child yeah. does have a, a, a full kindergarten seat, a, a K-2 seat. Um, these are pre-K seats. Pre-K. So, um, so four-year-olds. These right? are four-year-olds. Four-year-olds. Right. Okay. Um, and then what a great, I mean, this is amazing uh, yeah. to basically have universal, yeah, it's a great goal. universal pre-K for yeah. every student in the city of Boston is, right. is, is um, it's great. It's huge. Yes. Um, so what we need to do as a school system with this is really partner with our private provider. There's a number of private providers um, who provide pre-K. And um, we have a phenomenal early childhood department in the Boston Public Schools mm -hmm. led by Jason Sachs, who, um, who who's, you know, has a great plan for thinking about how do we train um, providers? How do we make sure we're all up to the same standard of K-1 seats and, and essentially authorize them to um, be part of the network of providing K-1 um, services to to as part of the Boston Public School system. Um, yep. And, so, and so, he, so his department just makes sure that all, there's a set of standards for all right, students who are enrolled, whether it's through a partner program or within the BPS. Sure, program. it's standards, it's, it's, it's curricula, it's teacher training, yep. it's, um, it, it's, uh, it's ensuring that teachers are certified. Um, it, it, and it's a terrific, it is abs absolutely a terrific endeavor. Does um, this require incremental budget though? Because the partners need to get paid. Right. There, so there's, um, yes. So the, actually the teachers get paid more um, in these programs. I, I don't want to go into necessarily yeah, the yeah. nuts and bolts of all this, but certainly there's budget implications for it, time, and, and all of these, as, as we talked about right. MassCorp, talked about hiring. 
um, a diverse workforce. And we talked about uh, implementing full day, uh, I'm sorry, uh, every student having access to a K-1 seat. All of these take uh, the focus of a district. Yep. They, uh, they take time, they take people, mm-hmm. and they take money and resources to implement. Right. And so just one more. And, and so there are 28 of these. But the other one that, that was spoken about by um, several committee members was um, parents and families and how do we interact with parents and families. And the superintendent's goal is definitely this, you know, parents as partners um, uh, way of approaching um, collaboration with, with parents and families. But what are, underneath that bullet point, how, what, what needs to be reshaped in order to achieve kind of what the superintendent's vision is for how families interact with the school system. I think she would like to see a much more fluid, welcoming, almost thinking about parents and families as customers of the school system. I think at one point, Michael O'Neill might have even used that phrase. Um, And so does that require kind of a shift in strategy, a shift in approach? Does it require more money? What what sorts of things go into that? Well, Monica Roberts and her team in, in the Boston Public Schools have done a tremendous job of, of bringing um, to the forefront uh, uh, the focus on parents and families and saying we need to create a school system in which feels like you can uh, enter it easily through yeah. the registration process um, and that we uh, uh, serve you very well in whatever school that you're in. Right. Um, so we, we have criteria that's been set forth by the district around what a safe, welcoming school environment looks like. We have a... a, a strong climate survey that's been implemented across the district to get feedback from families about how they feel about belonging to their school and are they getting, um, they're getting good communication. They feel like they can um, advocate for their child at their school. This, um, this one is really, it's very hard to do this centrally. This, this is a school by school, um, uh, mm. needs to be implemented school by school. So right. essentially this is about school culture. Yep. Um, it's about when a parent walks in uh, the building, um, the first person they meet is often the school secretary. Right. Um, and uh, it's about that interaction. It's about the interaction with the with the, the principal and the teachers. And um, it's also reaching out to families who may feel um, like they don't belong to, to the school or they're afraid to go into the school or f- for whatever reason. Or, you know, many of our families are working multiple jobs and just yeah. don't have time right. to, to right. go into the school during the day. Um, I think this is an incredibly important goal. Yeah. Um, the district has, has done, uh, has different variations of what we've done in the past on this, where um, we, had fa- we used to have family coordinators in every school. Mm. Um, uh, in many of our schools, we still have family coordinators. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes that w- it was very helpful to have a person always keeping our attention on, on making sure we're reaching out to families. Right. But also in some cases, you have to be careful where you're not relying upon the family coordinator to do all the work of family engagement, but we all see it in schools as our jobs to be doing that work. Um, That's a good point. So incredibly, in, incredibly important goal. Mm-hmm. Um, takes uh, many of our schools, by the way, do this incredibly well. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have... Uh, we do have uh, many schools who do great engagement. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this takes time, effort, again, uh, attention. Um, and, uh, you know, often when I was a, when I was a school principal, um, I, I wanted to do everything uh, my first year um, and would often take on a lot of different projects. And I realized- I can't very, imagine that. Yeah, no. And, and I realized very quickly when my teachers were like, like they were, didn't want to go near me because I may have a new idea or something, right? <laughs> um I realized that, look, we, we have to spread this out. We have to do, yeah. we, we got to focus. We got to do this well. 
Um, and I think, you know, to some degree, um, the superintendent has, again, like uh, done a phenomenal job of laying out here are all the things we should be doing as a school system. Right. Um, I think my my hope is um, that at the next school committee meeting, yeah. we begin to see a prioritization here right. of um, what do we do first, second, third, fourth um, over the number of years to um, really close these achievement gaps, link it back to the data from the December 11th meeting, yeah, um, right. set some really clear goals, set well, some I really clear steps. I think that's important, right? Like of all of these bullet points that were presented last night, which ones are going to the move the needle the most? In what order do you do these things so that you really see shifts in um, performance and shifts in how many kids are absent or leaving school and all of these like big items that, that we're measuring. Um, so one other thing they talked a lot about in school committee last night was uh, partners and how important partners are to the school system. And um, I guess that ecosystem maybe needs better management or more management or management. Do you have, do you have a point of view on that or why are partners so important to the district? Well, well, certainly we we as Boston are are um, incredibly partner rich. Where right. we're, we're very fortunate to have many strong partners uh, wanting to help our schools. Um, I think first the first step with engaging partners is being really clear about um, again what the goals are, what the priorities are, um, and uh, talking to partners about how they can begin to participate in those goals and priorities. Um, the next step is really is really engaging them with school based uh, teams. Yeah. Um, this is very hard to do centrally to manage partnerships for the entire district. Um, those you can broker partnerships and help so, sort of get um, principals and their teams aligned and, and uh, in the same room as partners. Yeah. But the cultivation of partnership is really really occurs at the school level. It's a it's a job of a principal. Um, Dr. Harden Coleman uh, spoke last night about metrics, and we've talked talked a little bit about metrics here. He talked about the importance of a set of metrics for the final strategic plan, right? So how does school committee measure the success of the plan um, and the performance of the plan? He also talked about a set of metrics um, that should be set up by which the city judges the effectiveness of school committee. And do is there not that right now, that do we not have metrics to judge the efficacy of school committee? Um, I believe there are. So formally, I don't know of any. Yeah. Um, but I, if you ask me what they were, I would say it's the school committee's role to achieve the goals set forth and, and really hold the superintendent accountable and her team accountable for achieving the goals set forth in the strategic plan. Right. Right. So it's really the the so the metrics that she outlined last night. Those two, I kind of need to get sharpened, and we've got to put a stake in the ground in terms of where do we actually want to see these move over the next three years. She sort of talked about this in a three-year over three-year period of time that the extra hundred million dollars that the mayor is committing to uh, the school system will be allocated over three years. She talked a lot about thirty-three schools receiving um, supplemental support over the next three years, and so it sounds like too there should be met metrics for each year that that are being reported on each school committee meeting. Well, look, we, let's go back to the data presented on December eleventh. Yeah, uh, we we need to know what's happening with the achievement gap in our district. And yeah. that needs to close. We can't have a city um, that has an expanding achievement gap. Yeah. can't happen. Right. Uh, we need to know what's going on with schools that are underperforming. And uh, we can't have a growing list of schools that are in the bottom 10%. Right. Um, we, so, so I think uh, we need to tie whatever it is that the strategies are and the theory of action is mm -hmm. to very concrete goals that should be reported on uh, on a frequent basis. At least 
quarterly, if not more, at school committee meetings. Yeah. All right. Any other general comments about school committee? This is an exciting time in our city. Um, it really is. It, we we have a, a, a great new energetic superintendent with a great new team. Um, we uh, have a, a, a focus on education in our city. Um, and we you know look forward to continuing to see what happens it, at these meetings. And um, mm. especially at the next meeting where, where we'll get another report back on the strategic plan. And, and hopefully all these pieces come together um, and everyone can get around improving our schools. Yeah, because it sounds like February 14th is a big date on which she's going to present the operating plan in the budget. It's a big date indeed. Okay. Well, that's a wrap for our first episode of Last Night at School Committee. There will be four public comment meetings between January 16th and February 14th, and those dates and times and locations are listed on our blog, as are the presentations that we covered today. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast, and if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and citizens of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston students. Have a great day.